growing in God's Word, and learning how to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm not promising you that there'll never be financial concerns today. What I am promising you today and next week is if you'll hear the Word of God, if you'll implement those things into your life, I am promising you, you will never have to worry about a financial crisis in your life. Have you ever faced a financial crisis in your life? Maybe a job loss and things got tight. Maybe an unexpected expense that shows up suddenly. Do you remember that feeling of uncertainty? That feeling of being alone in this financial or material crisis? I do not know of a single area in the life of believers that they struggle with more than the area of understanding God's financial plan. Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. The truth is, you're not alone with those feelings. Most of us have probably been through some type of financial crisis in our lives. Some people may feel like they live in a constant state of financial crisis. Stress, worry, doubt, and fear are the companions of financial struggles. The question is, does God intend for us to live like that? What can be done about it? Stress, worry, fear, anxiety are all tied to how much is in my account, all tied to how much I can pay. All of that is tied to my checking account. Faith is tied to God's account, ladies and gentlemen. Faith is tied to God's account. Today, Pastor Clay is taking us to a story in the Old Testament that some of you may not have heard before. It's an encounter between one of God's prophets by the name of Elijah and a poor widow. Over the next two weeks, we're going to look at this story found in 1 Kings chapter 17 to see what we can learn about facing the financial and material needs in our lives and the role that faith plays in seeing our needs met and that feelings like fear and worry and loneliness become a distant memory. Now here's Pastor Clay. discovered, at least in my own life, I have discovered that, that God is always trying to stretch us. Anybody have any uh, stretch marks? <laughs> I never thought of it. Spiritual stretch marks. Anybody got any spiritual stretch marks where God has stretched you? God is always trying to stretch our faith. And I have learned in 57 years of living, I have learned that it's not the only way, but that God tends to do that. God tends to stretch our faith in the areas that we worry or concern ourselves with the most. Now, let me say that again in a little bit different way and bring it up on the screen because it's really, really important. God wants to grow your faith, and so he will oftentimes do that through the things we concern ourselves with the most. And uh, it's uncomfortable. We don't often like it, but, and you may not, you may not want to hear this, but God is much more concerned with our Holiness, our set-apartness, our being with Him. God is much more concerned with our holiness than He is with our happiness. And somebody might think, what, God doesn't want me to be happy? Sure. God wants you to be happy as He understands true happiness, a.k.a. better known as joy, which only comes through contentment, which only arrives as a result of an intimate, up-close, ongoing 
relationship with him. Or uh, to say it another way, I got another little saying up here. Holiness is the road we must travel in order to arrive at true happiness. The idea of being set apart, being, being set apart for God's use, for God's purposes, for God's plans, rather than my own uh, my own direction, my own thoughts, my own plans, my own ideas, my own... Now, you'll find in life, if you live long enough, that there'll be some overlap in some of those. God will bring those things together in a lot of different ways. But it's understanding that the true uh, road to happiness, to arrive there, I must travel the path, the road of holiness to be set apart. So, I'm not promising you that there'll never be financial concerns today. What I am promising you today and next week is if you'll come, if you'll hear the word of God, if you'll implement those things into your life. I'm not, I'm not promising you'll never have concerns. I am promising you, you will never have to, bold letters, underline, exclamation point, you'll never have to worry about a financial crisis in your life ever again. Okay. It may seem like that we have, if you've been here at Cross Culture uh, last few weeks, it may seem like that we've talked about money uh, a lot. And, and we, in a way, we kind of have before service or during service stuff because we've been rolling out our new online giving plan that so many people had asked us about for convenience sake and, 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 and because that way they can set it up so that it's structured and they don't forget to write a check and all that kind of stuff. So a lot of people have asked about it. And so we've been advertising that. We've been marketing it. We've been talking to you about it, giving you information on it, all that stuff. Uh, and so I know we've been talking about finances a lot lately. And if you know me, if you're new here, you don't. But if you know me, uh, you know that I'm a, I'm a type of pastor that does not like to talk about money a lot. I, I really don't. Uh, I've, I've been told on numerous occasions I should talk about it more. Uh, but I don't like talking about it because, and I'm sure I overstress over this, but I, I'm sure I overconcern myself with the fact that I'm always thinking, is there some, is there some guest here? Is there some uh, first-time person here? That hears this and, and thinks, Jesus, is that all they think about? Is that all they talk about is, is money? So I, I'm, I'm oftentimes uh, perhaps a bit too apologetic when the subject of finances comes up. You'll be happy or, or unhappy to know that I'm not going to do that today. I'm not going to apologize for talking about uh, finances and financial crisis and material crisis in our life. And the reason that I'm not is uh, because... Uh, It's been my experience in a number of years of pastoring now. I do not know, now listen to me, I do not know of a single area. There might be some that are about the same or close, but I do not know of a single area in the life of believers that they struggle with more than the area of understanding God's financial plan. I do not know of any area that people struggle with more than in that area. They're in the area of, of, of finances and understanding what, what is his plan for his resources in your life. And I do mean his resources in your life. See, that's, that's one of the biggest struggles that people have is coming to the place where they finally understand that everything you have, everything you own, you don't actually own. It all belongs to God. All of it. And I know probably uh, in, in, in your minds, or even as I'm saying that, I know you're, you're probably thinking, well, I, I get that. I, I understand that it all belongs to God. I would challenge some of you uh, with this statement. You know it as a theological concept. You know 
up here that it all belongs to God. But you don't believe, some of you don't believe it in here. Because if you did, you would not struggle so mightily in the area of, uh, of doing with God's resources what he asks you to do with his resources. So we're going to talk about it today. We're going to look at a story in 1 Kings chapter 17. Where we'll find uh, one of God's prophets by the name of Elijah. And a woman known only as the widow of Zarephath. We don't even know her name. But we learn more from her about faith than possibly anybody else in all the Bible. This woman that we know so little about teaches us so much about what it means to have faith. Particularly in the area of financial or material crisis in our lives. Today really is kind of setting the table, I'll be honest with you. Uh, pun intended, since we're having setting the table today. T- today. Today is kind of setting the table for next week, where we'll really get into the widow of Zarephath. We're not actually going to talk about her today. We're setting the table, uh, but today is setting the table and looking at the life of uh, or a situation in Elijah's life. This prophet of God, uh, a financial or material crisis in. Elijah's life, and we're going to learn from it something about God that we can then apply to our lives, to our financial crisis, to our material uh, crisis or needs in our lives, okay? So I'm going to give you this idea that we can learn about God. I'm going to give you that first. If you'd like to fill in blanks, you can do that on the, on the back of your uh, information sheet. But we're going, to, we're going to look at that, and then we're going to read 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 1 through 6, and see how far we get this morning. But here's, here's the, the first idea just to get a hold of, uh, setting the table for next week. Start with the knowledge that nothing is too hard for God. Could, could I get you to say that with me out loud? Nothing is too hard for God. Would you say that with me? Nothing is too hard for God. Now, now this time, is everybody looking at me? Because I know some of you are writing, filling in your blanks. Appreciate that. Now, say it like you mean it. Nothing is too hard for God. First Kings chapter 17, verses 1 through 6. And I know uh, it's a different setting today. And perhaps the, the, the smells of the foods we're eating are beginning to waffle into your noses and make you hungry. But, but that's, uh, we'll, we'll get there. Okay? All right? We're going to feed a little bit on the Word of God first. All right? By the way, uh, it's a little late now. I apologize. I forgot to mention if you happen to have uh, a food allergy, but in the Lord's table, we always, we always have the, the, the kind of bread that, what, what is it? I'm gluten-free. I, always, I forget to say that sometimes. And so if you didn't eat the gluten-free and you're allergic to gluten, if you need to pass out or something, need help, I just please let us know. I apologize for that. I was also thinking, Bill, you know, as you guys walk by, take the Lord's Supper this morning, I was thinking, this is probably the last Lord's Supper you guys are going to be taking with us. Uh, so if, some, if you, some of you are new, if you don't know, Bill, our, our life group pastor, he and his family are moving to Boston to help in a new church plant uh, in Boston. And so probably this would be our last official one, unless you have me back on another time. And, uh, and so that's, uh, that's, that was kind of sobering for me to, to think about. Now, uh, Bill officially finishes in December, and I know they're going to be doing a little bit of traveling and preparing for going to Boston and stuff like that, but uh, hopefully after the first year we'll have a better opportunity to, to send them off more uh, officially. But, uh, but you guys remember to continue to pray for them, their, their financial needs, their, uh, the, the place they're going to have to need to live, and, uh, and that ministry opportunity up there they're going to be involved in, okay? Now, Elijah, the Tishbite, who was a who was of the settlers of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, before whom I stand, 
Surely there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. The word of the Lord came to him saying, Go away from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. And it shall be that you will drink of the brook and I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and lived by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he would drink from the brook. Cool story, huh? Nothing, remember that nothing is too hard for God. Now, Ahab was bad news, and he was married to even badder news. He was married to a woman named Jezebel. Uh, Ahab was a wicked king. Ahab has the the distinction of being referred to in 1 Kings 16 as the king of of whom he was the worst king that had ever come along up until that point, that no king before him was worse than Ahab. And it didn't help that he married a woman by the name of Jezebel, the daughter of a Phoenician king. It was a, it was a military political kind of alliance kind of thing. She was not Jewish. She was Phoenician. And she was intensely devoted to some of her Phoenician or, or some, just uh, the secular gods in general. She was, she was intensely devoted to her gods. Particularly a deity by the name of, name of Baal. And one by the name of Molech, with whom uh, child sacrifice was part of the worship of Molech. And between the two of them, Ahab and Jezebel had begun to turn the hearts of the people of God, the nation of Israel, had begun to turn them away from, from God, had begun to introduce all kinds of evil and false gods and wicked practices and sexual perversion and just all kinds of things that they'd begun to introduce into the culture. And they were turning the hearts of the people away from God. And listen, this is true. This is, this is, a, this is a principle. I've got lots of principles. This is a principle from the word of God. Desperate times call for desperate measures. And so God sends one of his prophets by the name of Elijah. God sends Elijah down to Ahab, down to the king. And he says to the king, hey, king, it's not going to rain. Because of the wickedness that you have introduced into this land, it will not rain in this land. Not a drop will fall. In fact, there won't even be any dew on the ground, Ahab, until I say so, until I speak it. No People, no nation, no king survives very long without water. And so that pronouncement would not make uh, Elijah a very popular guy with Ahab, right? God knows that. And so God uh, sends Elijah down to a brook, a creek, uh, east of the Jordan, known as the Cherith, to, uh, to get away from from Ahab, who's going to be looking for Elijah. And because, I'm assuming, because Elijah has specifically said, until I speak the word, it's not going to rain. So if he gets a hold of Elijah, uh, he, he's going to do all he can to make him say the word. So God sends Elijah off. And so here's what we can learn uh, from this uh, to apply in this idea of nothing is too hard for God. Here's the first thing we want to see. God can use natural and supernatural resources to meet 
your needs. Let me get you to say that out loud, except change you to my, uh, and, and say that with me. God can use natural and supernatural resources to meet my needs. Absolutely, yes, he can. God sends Elijah down to the brook, down to the creek known as Cherith, where every day Elijah goes down and he gets his water. He's able to drink freely from the Cherith, for it's a very natural way for Elijah to get his water. He needs water, and in a very natural way, he, he's there by the creek. It's running, it's still flowing, and he can get the water that he needs. God is providing in a very natural way. God provides for Elijah's protection in a very natural way. He sends him out into the wilderness, a place where people won't see him, to hide him from Ahab. God can provide in a very natural way. And God sends birds to deliver twice a day bread and meat for Elijah to eat. I would, I would qualify that as a supernatural resource that God does God can do either one, natural or resource or, or, or supernatural? God sends birds to deliver bread and meat. Well, <laughs> that's impossible for you and me, yeah. But for the creator of the universe, he doesn't even break a sweat. Well, come on. Where did the bread come from? God? Where did the meat come from? God? So I don't, I don't care. I don't know whether God, you know, in the Hebrew, I don't know if God ex nihilo. I don't know if he just created it out of nothing. I don't care if he, if he sent the birds to Harris Tweeter. I don't, I don't care how he did it. It's still a supernatural act for birds to show up with your bread and meat every day, twice a day. Mr. Jones is back there like, oh, he did not say, just say that. He did not. But that, that's, that's, that's what God does. He's not, he's not limited by, by natural or unnatural or supernatural, it doesn't make any difference to God. He's able to, to meet needs in any way that's possible. And you need to remember that in your life. You need to understand in the next time or this moment or whatever, the financial crisis or, or material crisis in your life, it doesn't matter to God. It doesn't matter to Him. He's perfectly capable of providing naturally for you. A, a, a pay increase, a, a, a promotion, a a bonus that you weren't expecting. He's also perfectly capable of, of, of just dropping it out of the sky or having birds deliver it. It doesn't make any difference with God. You need to remember that. He's not limited in, in, in the way that he provides your resources. And so here's an idea that I want you to, to grab a hold of in the midst of all this. Stop focusing on where it's coming from and start focusing on who it's coming from. See, that, that's all that really matters in the midst of our, you know, lying in bed at night. Anybody ever done this one? Lying at bed at night, wide open, 2.30 in the morning, and m- your mind is running nonstop. How, oh my gosh, I don't, I don't, I don't know how we're going to make this. I, I don't know where this is going to come from. I, I don't know how this is going to, I don't know how this is going to work out. Anybody ever been there? Listen to me. The only thing that will ever bring you is worry Anxiety, stress, and fear. That's all that will ever produce. It won't change your situation a bit. Now, if, you, if, that's where, if that's where you like to hang, okay. But I'm just saying to you, God has something better than that. Stop wringing your hands and, oh my, oh, where is this going to come from? How is this going to work out? Instead, instead of focusing on where it's going to... F- come from start focusing on who it's going to come from and i'm telling you you may say well that just sounds like a a 
mental gymnastics. There is something to making a, a volitional, intentional decision to say, no, I, I'm not going to stress over how this bill is going to get paid or, or how I'm going to pay for all that, all that stuff that my kids bring home, fundraisers that say I've got to have it and I don't know how I'm going to pay for my car. And I don't, I don't Stop stressing the world and start focusing on who it's coming from and how do I do that? How about if you begin to pray? Just, just, y'all know how to pray. How about if you just begin to pray something like, Father God, I don't have a clue how this is going to work out. I don't have a clue where this is going to come from. But Father God, I choose to believe in you. I choose to remember what your word says in Jeremiah 32. Y'all know those words? Jeremiah 32, 27. Behold, I am the Lord God of all flesh. Is anything too difficult for me? God, I to, to say that to him. God, I choose to remember that. Nothing is too difficult for you, God. And God, I seem to remember in your word in Psalm 50 that it says something like this, God. It says, for every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. God, you're the biggest rancher I know. If you want to sell off a few herd, a few head to, to, to meet my need from your herd, God, you're perfectly capable of doing that. God, I choose to believe you. So God, I don't care where where my need is met. I don't care where it comes from. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care whether it's natural or I don't care whether it's supernatural. God, I choose to believe that it's going to come from you. I choose to believe you. I choose to trust you to meet the need in my life. Stop worrying about where it's going to come from. Stop focusing on that and start focusing on who it's going to come from. Here's another one. Get a hold of real quickly this morning. Stop stressing over tomorrow's need and start blessing tomorrow, today's provision. Stop stressing over tomorrow's need and start blessing today's provision. Hey, did you notice? Did you notice that the, that the, the birds, you notice they didn't bring Elijah a week's worth of bread and a week's worth of, of uh, meat? In fact, they didn't even bring him a single day's worth. They brought it twice a day. And they brought it every day until God moved him on to the next part that we'll look at next week. But he met that need for that day. And that's all Elijah really had to concern himself with. Stop stressing over tomorrow's needs. This is a principle that you're going to find in the word of God. Uh, this, this focus on the, on the moment principle that you'll find in Scripture. That God meets needs. And He has purposes in meeting just this need. Listen, I hate to state the obvious to you, which you already know. But if your need is met today, been a good day. Been a good day. If your need is met today. And that's all you got to look for. That's all, all you have to, have to look forward to is what God is going to do. Stop stressing over what is it. I don't know what it is about us human beings, but we love to stress over stuff that hasn't even happened yet. It's not even here yet. Instead of stressing, start blessing. Start thanking God for his provision today. There, there's a story, uh, and maybe some of you have read it, when God took the Israelites out into the wilderness after he delivered them out of, out of slavery in Egypt. You remember some of that story? And he takes them out into the wilderness, and in, in very short order, they're like, oh my, what are we going to do? We're going to starve to death out here. Uh, at least back there, we had some stuff we could eat, and why did, why did we ever leave this land? And it's Moses' fault. Yeah, let's, let's kill that guy. And they just start, right, everything? And God sends down this stuff called manna. Y'all heard about this stuff? I think it's in, uh, is it in Numbers 
chapter 11, yeah. Number 12, when the dew fell on the camp at night, the manna would fall with them. Manna was like, it was, it was essentially a heavenly bread that apparently tasted like honey. And God would send this manna. They're out in the middle of nowhere, and God sends this manna, and God sends it every single night. Now, they could eat as much of it as they wanted that day. It, if you go, you read the story, it doesn't keep, it only keeps one day. They can eat as much of it as they want, but, but that's it. And tomorrow night, or tomorrow, whenever it falls again. That day's provision. That moment's need being met. What is, what is God doing? What is, why is he doing this? What is God trying to say? Look at it. Deuteronomy chapter uh, 8, I think it is. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8. He humbled you and let you be hungry. What? He let this material financial crisis come into my life? Might as well get over it. <laughs> what as I said earlier? God tends to stretch us in the areas that, we've, that we focus on the most. He humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. In other words, they'd never seen it before. They didn't know it was something brand new to them. Watch this. That he might, or in order that he might, or so that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. You understand what he's saying? Do you get it? You understand what he's saying? God's trying to teach them. It's stop looking at Moses and grumbling about what you don't have. He's trying to teach them and he's trying to teach us that in the end, all you and I ever will ever need in our lives is God. For any need that we have, if we'll, if we'll turn to him, if we'll turn to him by faith, and that's a big if, and we'll talk more about it next week. But if we'll turn to him in faith and understand what he's trying to do. Look at a little, little bit further on. The same chapter, Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 16. In the wilderness, he fed you manna, which your fathers did not know. Watch this. That he might, in order that he might, so he, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do good for you in the end. What's he saying? Guys, I've, I've got I've to stretch you. It's painful. You're not going to like it, but I've got to push you. I've got to stretch you because I'm trying to get you somewhere that I can bless you. And I can't do it if you're, if you're wringing your hands about, oh my, where is this going to come from? What are we going to do? How are we ever going to get out of this one? If you're not going to turn, I've got to get you to turn to me. So, so I might have to let you be hungry for a while. I might have to let you ha- have a few bills. I might, have to, I might have to let you lose your job. I might have to, there might, some things might have to go on, but, but, but I've got a purpose in it. God's saying, I've always got a purpose in it. I'm trying to help you realize that it's in me. You find it in me. So it's just... Trusting him in the midst of it and relying on him to meet those needs in our lives. This is this principle that you find over and over and over again. And God did it. He sent the manna every day, every day, every day, only for that day. Listen, for 40 years, for 40 years, he did it. This is great in uh, Joshua, uh, Joshua, I think, chapter five. Yeah, Uh, the manna ceased. On the day after they had eaten some of the produce of the land, so that the sons of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate some of the yield of the land of Canaan during that year. God brought the manna every single day until the first day they finally moved into the promised land. After 40 years of their rebellion and stiff-neckedness, and were finally able to go in, and, and after they went in and were able to eat of the produce, the natural produce of the land, then God said, okay, now it's enough. I can stop with the manna. Yeah, it's pretty cool, isn't it? And well, what do we do? Oh my! Oh, oh! Next month is oh my! It's, my kids, 
they're three and they're going to be in college before you know it. And I don't know how, uh, and probably one of them, that, my, this one is clearly smart enough to go to Harvard. I know that's going to cost. And if your need is met today, it's a good day. And God's trying to tell us, and he's trying to say something to us. Will you walk by faith? Will you trust me? And not your 401k or, or, or your, your annual salary or your account book. Or Will you walk with me? Will you trust me in this? Okay. Uh, what's the next thing? What have I got, uh, Tyler? Yeah. Uh, this, this is the truth you've got to get a hold of me on. God is not going for easier in your life. God is going for faith in your life. Because, and there's this, mis, there's, I think there's this misconception, I think it's bad theology that has been promoted or perpetuated on the church to some degree, that somehow uh, that, that better is better, that, that if God makes it easier, that somehow that's better. And so you might think, well, listen, okay, manna every day, birds showing up twice a day, all right, wouldn't it just be easier if God put $50 million in my account uh, and then I'd never have to worry about financial uh, stuff again? Sure, that'd be easier. For you, for me. But God's not going for easier in your life. He's going for faith. He's going for faith. And the great thing about it is when I understand that, what time is it? When I understand that, when, when, I, when, I, when I grab a hold of that idea, I don't need $50 million in my account. I don't need it. Be, because I, because I, I understand that, because hey, listen, here's the truth. And I, I know I need to close it, but here's the truth. Stress, worry, fear, anxiety are all tied to how much is in my account, all tied to how much I can pay, all tied to how this is going uh, to work itself out. Faith, all of that is tied to my checking account. Faith is tied to God's account, ladies and gentlemen. Faith is tied to God's account. Now, which one you want to live off of? Your account, God's account. I don't know. I'm guessing God's is probably better. I'm thinking that maybe his resources are a little deeper than mine. But, but, but you know what he's saying? But he's, he's saying, but no, you can't, I'm not just going to do it. You've got to do it by faith. So, so I'm sorry if it hurts. I'm sorry if you're uncomfortable. I'm sorry if you don't like it or if it's unpleasant. But I love you too much to give in to your temper tantrum. Because I'm taking you somewhere else. If you'll trust me. If you'll walk with me. Let me say this. Uh, tell you this story. And then we'll close. I'll, I'll leave the other stuff. Uh, you got a couple blanks that I probably left undone. We'll do them next week. But I don't think I've told y'all yet um, our tire story. Have I told y'all our tire story? Tire, T-I-R-E. Sorry. Our, our tire story. A few weeks ago, it was time to get new tires for Cindy's car, right? I mean, we'd pushed it about as far as we could. Do it. it was, you know, they're it's looking as clean. I was looking for some bald person here. It's clean shaven as somebody's head. But... Uh, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was looking bare. And she was getting ready to take a trip to Atlanta, so we knew we had to do it. Well, I don't know if y'all uh, have priced them lately, but tires are expensive. Jeez, tires are expensive. So, you know, I get online, I'm looking at all the online tire stores, and I'm looking at all the big box stores, right? And they're all, they're all virtually the same, basically. And, and of course, sure, her particular, I'm grateful for her car, but it takes kind of a low-profile tire, a particular size, and you're looking at the size, and, and it starts on the line, when you're looking, it starts at like the highest one, you know, like $867 a tire, not that much, but, but like uh, $280 a tire, $240 a tire, $220 a tire, you know, it works its way down, and it's working its way, and so I'm on BJ's website, I'm not, this is not a plug for BJ's, I was on BJ's uh, website, and you know, it's $220 a tire, uh, $208 a tire, um, $198 a tire. $88 a tire. And I'm like, 
$88 a tire. Why, is, why, why are those tires so much less than all those other tires? In fact, this tire has the exact same warranty as all those, but actually has a higher speed rating than, all, than tires twice the size. Why is that? Hmm, I don't know. I don't, I don't, you may not know this, but on BJ's website, you can't, you can't actually order or pay for your tires. You can look them up, but you have to go to the store to order them and pay for them. So I printed out the page, and seeing I went down to BJ's that night, talked to a very nice uh, young man, and he's looking at, uh, you know, at my thing, and he looks uh, up, and he says, we don't actually have those tires in stock, but we can order them for you. And so he starts punching the numbers into the computer, and I can kind of hear him saying, he's kind of saying, hmm, it seems like awfully uh, good tires for this price. And... Uh, so he puts them in, and then it's time to pay. He goes to, to ring them up, and, sh- and sure enough, the tires come up as $189 a tire. And he says, he said, man, I thought that was insanely cheap for those tires. He said, but, he said, you print it out. That's what it says on here, and I'm looking at our website. That, pri- that $88, that's what it says, that is a tire. So the, I think that's what, you ought to have to, that's what you ought to pay for those tires. I did not argue with him. <laughs> and so, so, sure, and so, now... Now, was that, was, that a, was that a supernatural provision? Was that a natural provision? Who cares? I got a, almost $900 set of tires for $400. What matters is that, and we walked out of that night, we sat in the car and we looked at each other. We said, was that a God thing? Because, hey, I didn't tell you this. Sure enough, uh, the next day or two days later, I looked and, and they had, the website, $189 a tire. <laughs> is that a, 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 what matters is that we, we looked at it and we said, this is a God thing. God's making provision for us. One of y'all are thinking, well, you still have to pay $400 for the tires. Really? Really? Come on. Nothing is too hard for God. That's a great reminder for all of us, for all of life's situations. Nothing is too hard for God. Our God is the creator of all that is. And as we saw today, God can use natural means or supernatural means to meet our needs. As we'll see more clearly next week, it requires faith on our part, a faith that requires action. But as we were reminded today, whatever the need is in your life, God is fully capable of meeting that need, if you will trust Him. We're glad you joined us for this week's message on Crosswalk. Pastor Clay is the author of the book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. My prayer is that God would use it to help some people understand a few things about what it really takes to live in the promises of God. God wants you to live a life of peace and purpose and meaning and hope and fulfillment and contentment. He wants you to live a life without fear and without anxiety. Many people at some point in their life feel disconnected with the type of life and faith they read about in the Bible and what their lives look like on a daily basis. What is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not getting. If I'm not really living in the promises of God, why is that? That's what this book explores. I Get It is available online in electronic versions for the Nook and Kindle, as well as paperback from Amazon.com. And ask for it by name at your favorite local bookstore. You can go in bookstores and just say, hey, uh, have you got a book in here uh, entitled I Get It from Clay Stevens? They can order this book out of their catalogs that they get. Get your copy today. Discover the promises of God and the steps you need to take to get it. And join us here each week online for another Crosswalk message. God has invited us to know Him through His Word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable for every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships, and instead of rituals, we practice realness. Our desire is to be used by God to show people 
people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where they will find what they're searching for. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to lead you to the cross. I want to lead you to the cross. I want to lead you to the cross. A new church for people like you. Cross Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.